Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report once again. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Tuesday the 2nd of January 2024 and on today's show I'll be dissecting two issues of public concern. Firstly, we'll be hearing about a legal case against the Tavistock Portman NHS Foundation that provides a full range of mental health services and therapies for children, young people and adults, including the infamous Tavistock Gender Clinic. We'll also be hearing about an alleged scam run by wealthy law firms, whereby changes to people's wills that result in disputes are encouraged by law firms so that they can be awarded probate when the person dies. The allegation is that these law firms then go on to sell properties that are part of the estate at bargain basement prices in controlled auctions that are not open to the public. So my first guest is Amy Gallagher, who is an NHS nurse and psychotherapist. Um, And Amy is suing the Tavistock Portman NHS Foundation because it forced racist ideology on students through its promotion of critical race theory. Apparently, the NHS Foundation thinks that it's appropriate to run lectures titled Whiteness, a problem of our time, where attendees are forced to confront the reality of white privilege. So nothing to see here then, just an NHS trust that thinks it's on a moral crusade to right the wrongs of the past using taxpayers' money to do it. What this has to do with working in the NHS, I've got no idea. I mean, firstly, critical race theory is just that. It is just a theory. And it is a bad one at that because it is based upon flawed ideas about how to create a just society. And secondly, it does the opposite of creating a just society where different races get along in peace. No, what critical race theory does is create victims and oppressors based upon stuff that happened hundreds of years ago. It essentially creates divisions where no divisions existed previously. It doesn't teach material that leads to tolerance, as its supporters claim, and in fact does the exact opposite. It tells everyone how they are different. It assigns everyone to their own very own little box, which is tightly defined, and then goes on to tell all of the boxes how they are different to the other little boxes, and how some of the boxes are victims and some are oppressors. Does that look like an exercise in teaching tolerance? It doesn't to me. What it looks like to me is an exercise of creating intolerance and division. Now, why this is being taught anywhere in a modern multicultural society, I do not know. But I guess we do live in a democracy. And so if some nutters want to teach this poison, then so be it. But what is the NHS doing pushing this nonsense onto staff and students? 
Well, stay tuned because we'll hear all about it in a moment with Amy Gallagher, along with how she's suing the NHS Foundation for forcing her to sit lectures on the ideology. My second guest today um, is who I spoke with on the phone recently, as it appears that Mark and his family have been a victim of a scam run by wealthy law firms. Mark claims that his elderly and frail mother was encouraged to change her will significantly by a law firm without the knowledge of any of her family, which resulted in a very predictable dispute after his mother died. Now, when there is a dispute in a will, the courts award probate to a law firm to manage the estate. The firm is then tasked with managing the estate and selling any assets like properties, for example. Now, what Mark alleges is that the firm then went on to try and sell the house at a price significantly below market value in an auction that was not open to the public. Sounds pretty dodgy, doesn't it? Well, Mark fought this in the court and managed to stop the sale on that occasion, although it seems the firm went on to sell the property anyway at a significant discount versus other similar properties sold on the street recently. And it gets worse, and it gets worse, because it seems that Mark is not the only victim of this scam in his street, as he has learned of it happening to others in the street. Shocking. But then I guess, should we be surprised this type of thing goes on? Well, Mark will tell us about his story in a moment, which really does highlight the importance of making out wills properly um, and for the process to be totally transparent within the family, particularly when predatory law firms are circling in the wings. So stay tuned for all of that in a moment. In terms of the rest of the week, um, June will be back on our screens tomorrow after she took some time out to grieve for Connie, her rescue dog, who passed away just before Christmas. Now, anybody who has dogs will know that they're not just a pet. They are very much part of the family. So it's devastating when something happens to them. Anyway, I know June is raring to get back behind the camera. So I'm looking forward to welcoming her back tomorrow morning. Then on Thursday, I'll be welcoming Dr. Tess Laurie back to the Freeman Report. Um, I've, as you all know, I've got bags of time for Tess, and it will be great to have a conversation with her about the journey that she's been on over the past three years. We will, of course, also get an update on what the World Council for Health has been doing recently. So make sure you tune in on Thursday for that. Then on Friday, I'll be welcoming Dr. Shiva to the show for the first time. Now, I came across Dr. Shiva following the release of the New Zealand, or the leak, I should say, of the New Zealand government vaccination data, as he was very critical of Steve Kirsch's analysis of the data, having attained a copy of the data himself. He held a fairly large X Spaces event with Kim.com, where he openly criticised Kirsch and his conclusions. Now, I thought it was pretty controversial, actually, because Steve Kirsch was actually in the audience, but Dr. Shiva and Kim.com never invited him to defend their criticisms of him. So I therefore invited Dr. Shiva to speak about it on this show. So hold tight for that discussion on Friday. If you want to get in touch, as always, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, 
get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman. This is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Russia, gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing? Good morning, James. Yes, well, it's almost the afternoon now, isn't it? On the 2nd of January, 2024. <laughs> I mean, doesn't the time fly? If you cast your mind back four years, four years to 2020, when this whole insanity kicked off. And now look at us, you know, both of us at uh, TNT, you know, the world has changed dramatically for so many people personally, professionally, socially, spiritually. Four years just shows how much can change in the human, well, in the course of human history. Technically, it's three years, Gemma, but we're how? in the fourth year after the event. Oh, well, no, there you... you go with your stats <laughs> and your analysis. 21, 22, 23, 24. I make it four. I make it four. Well, 2020, 2021, 2022. 2023 you're right oh still now i've confused right. myself you're right <laughs> you're right it's it's four years i'm wrong it's four years there you <gasps> go that's the second time on air that i've um had to admit that i'm wrong <coughs> excuse me you're choking you on go, it Gemma. james you're literally choking <laughs> on the fact that you've had to admit that twice in what a month i'm right and you're wrong i'm not holding know, i'm not but... gloating <laughs> as you can see it's an unfair battle because i am still under the weather but um anyway i will give that one to you Gemma. um what story have you got for us today well just in the last half an hour right this this is broken and it, it, it is a weather story and, and i i looked at this and i thought you know what you know I, I don't want to put an old hat on an old professional hat but i did do weather presenting at the bbc for a considerable amount of time now i'm not i'm not a forecaster i'm not a meteorologist i was just a presenter but you know presenting the weather means you have to engage with the weather and so in the last half an hour here in the uk um we've had yet another uh, storm issued and warnings for this storm it's second day of the year everyone's gearing up to hoist themselves off the sofa go back to work go back to school you know all the things we don't want to do after a lovely break from the norm. And, and we have another storm on the way. It's called Storm Hank. And amber weather warnings have been issued by the Met Office. Now, I remember with my old hat on that amber weather warnings, actually, they're not to be sniffed at. They are quite serious. And parts of the country are now under these here. Um, severe disruption to travel. Uh, roofs could be blown off. We could have power cuts, all kind of things. That is a serious weather warning. But I thought, hmm, hang on a minute. In my entire career, as a weather presenter, which spanned from 2009 all the way up to 2021, 2020 rather, when I left the BBC, I don't remember a winter like this. So I look back and I thought, yeah, it's not my imagination. So for example, last year, September the 27th to 28th, Storm Agnes, October the 18th to the 21st, just here in the UK, Storm Babbitt, uh, November the 1st to the 2nd, Storm Kieran, November the 3rd, Storm Debbie, hot on the heels of Kieran. 9th of December, Storm Ellen. 27th of December, Storm Jarrett, which pretty much decimated the whole of Christmas for a lot of us weather-wise. Those of us who like to go out hiking and walking and all those things that are, make Christmas so festive, it kind of ruined that. And now straight off the back of Jarrett, we've got Hank. Now, call me a conspiracy theorist, but it seems rather engineered this one to me i don't remember a succession of quite se such severe storms back to back to back to back now i know that in the real so-called real world in the matrix you know people who subscribe to a certain agenda or narrative will go well it's climate change it's climate change but i can't help remembering four years ago 2020 when we went into lockdown march and april scorching weather like summer 
that had the feeling of it being severely engineered, but because everybody was so frightened, they didn't really pay that much attention unless you thought like us. Now, I just wonder, the effect of weather like this on a human psyche, when it's constantly cold, constantly grey, constantly wet, constantly miserable, this is just here in the UK, it, it does wear you down. And I wonder, you know, it's the start of the new year. Is this some kind of weather psyop? It's just my own personal opinion. But as I say, my entire career as a weather presenter, I've not quite seen anything like this. And this storm is going to be another one, quite a big one. It's going to go on for a couple of days. Will there be one after that? Will we be talking about this in another week's time? So this is just broken in the last half an hour or so here in the UK. But our Australian counterparts talking to the studio crew over the latter part of Christmas into New Year, there have been storms there that left the Gold Coast without power. And they've said that's unusual too. Let me, I'll let you into something here, a little secret, Gemma. Um, it is climate change. But then, you know, the climate is always changing. Um, you know, it's not this um, big thing. I suspect this is, you know, um, you know, we do have odd years. I mean, we've got El Ninos, which affects the weather, you know, the the changing, um, what's it called? The the what's the the that jet of air? The, the um, jet stream, the jet stream. The jet yeah. stream, that's it. You know, that's always changing and that affects the weather. I mean, we had um lots of lows over the summer, didn't we? Because um, you know, the jet stream changed and they were having extremely hot weather down in Europe. Um, I suspect this is just climate change, just regular climate change, and we're just having a... But who knows? I mean, you know, it's not a silly question to ask. I mean, there were real flash floods in Australia last year. Um, I can't remember the, all the details on it, but I do remember there were flash floods. And um, there were reports of the government doing weather experiments, you know, weather-changing experiments in the days before that. So... You know, these things are going on. We know the UK government is doing weather experiments like lots of other um, governments around the world. Got no idea why they're doing them, with what agenda they're doing them for. Um, but these massive storms, um, I do wonder if the government, you know, if they've actually got the technology to create huge, great storms like this. I know they can create rain um, where there's there was clouds already, but I do, uh, yeah, I, I suspect this is just normal weather but it is pretty depressing you're right Gemma well it's just I remember um I have covered storms before and sometimes you know when I was presenting you would get a brief from the chief forecaster at the Met Office that's how we got our information and then you had to make that information palatable to the public um but you would get a briefing about a storm but it was never such a relentless amount of storms and quite often you had the thing of the calm after the storm so the storm would blow through and then you would get this period of fairly settled weather as the low pressure system blasted its way through bringing up um settled conditions behind it but this is one storm after another after another after another after another and I'm just saying, James, you know, a question marks are raised for me because in my entire career, I've never seen anything quite like this. So, you know, it's watch this space. Mm. Let's see if we're still talking about this tomorrow. And if it does, if it does do what it says on the tin and these amber warnings come to fruition, there might be some kind of serious casualties here in the UK. Why don't you have a look into this? Because look, if this is um, as unusual as what you're saying, um, you will have meteorologists who will be looking at this and they will have their own ideas on that. I mean, maybe we should get somebody on um, on the Freeman Report here to talk about it if it is on that unusual. I will look at this later, Gemma, but if you want to have a look as well, um, see if there's anybody out there that's talking about this. Um, 
I just kind of, my view is I just tie it into the normal crap weather we get this time of year. I don't really pay that much attention to it. Sorry, go on, Gemma, you want to talk? I was just going to say, we should get Piers Corbyn because as well as his activism over the freedom rallies and, you know, standing up for standing up against the madness, his other hat is he he, um, he is a weather forecaster, weather predictor, um, and he used to make okay. a, a decent living of doing that. Yeah, um, and when I remember talking about Piers Corbyn when I was still in the BBC and I said, oh, we, should, we should maybe get Piers Corbyn and all my other fellow weather presenters were like oh no not him he's a nutter well obviously <laughs> talk sense that's what that means so maybe we should get Piers Corbyn on to talk about this because I'd be happy to be proved wrong it might just be a blip I'd be very happy to be proved wrong but to me it seems a little odd yeah I've never interviewed Piers but I know that he would be happy to come on I'm absolutely sure of it um I will give him I think the reason I've never interviewed before because he has got that kind of mad professor aura around him um you know he, he and, and obviously he he does get stuck into the conspiracies as well but hey um you know i'm i'm up for listening to um anybody's ideas um so yeah i'll um i'll contact him later today see if he wants to come on good idea Gemma. brilliant fantastic right Gemma. thank you very much um god i hope in by tomorrow this cough will have lifted it's still just lingering there i feel a lot better than i did last week um, unfortunately, my wife now is um, feeling a bit crook this morning. So um, I think in the Freeman household, there's still um, a, a bit of a turbulence to come over the next week. But hopefully I'm on the mend now. But anyway, thank you, Gemma. I look forward to um, another great story from you tomorrow. Right. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere, because after this short break, I'll be welcoming Amy Gallagher um, to the Freeman Report. She's an, an NHS nurse and psychotherapist, and she is suing the NHS for pushing lectures on white privilege. What the hell is the NHS doing lecturing its staff on white privilege? So stay tuned with me to talk all about that after this short break. I am James Wells, and this is Free the Freeman Report. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who who are taking to social media like telegram who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line some of the forced conscripts rebelled were imprisoned for six months did a six-month sentence and then the day before their release they were put into a van and then sent to the front line i kid you not patrick henningson on today's news talk tnt radio when you can point me to an industry to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans. That's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right now, like I said in the introduction, I've got my own view on critical race theory. I think it's divisive um, and it does exactly the opposite of creating a nice, peaceful, 
um, environment where di people of different races get along. I think it does exactly the opposite of that. So what the hell is the NHS doing running lectures for staff and students on it? Well, to talk all about that, um, my next guest is Amy Gallagher. Hello, Amy. How are you doing? Hi, James. Thanks for having me. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for, for coming on. Happy New Year, by the way. Um, to start off, I wonder if you wouldn't mind, first of all, just introducing yourself. Tell us what you do, because you do work for the NHS at the moment, and give us a little bit of background um, of, of how this story came about, really. Yeah, so I'm a, a nurse. I'm a mental health nurse. So I've been working in the NHS for about eight years now. Um, the side of my job that I really liked was this kind of talking therapy side. So I decided to train to be a psychotherapist, like a talking therapist or a counsellor, that kind of thing. Um, so I did my first, it's, it's a four year long training. Um, so I did my first two years and I got a postgraduate diploma in psychotherapy. And then I went on to do the second two years um, at the Tavistock. Um, and I was in my fourth year, um, just about to qualify to become a psychotherapist. Um, and that's when all of this kicked off, which is what I'm going to talk about today. But um, yeah, I, I guess what I saw was kind of a very aggressive ideology um, coming into healthcare. Um, and I took issue with that. Excellent. Now, we'll talk all about that in a moment, but I can't have you on the show and not ask you um, about the NHS more generally at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. How is it faring? Um, I don't know, you know, what, what are staffing levels like? Because we've heard a lot over the last couple of years about lots of staff being off ill. How are things from where you sit within the NHS at the moment? Yeah, I know from my own service that I work in that there's real trouble recruiting nurses. Um, there's a lot of short, a lot of staff shortages and a lot of people off sick. Um, I think this year we haven't heard much about COVID. It's very strange. It's kind of gone away. Um, I know there's there's been a kind of a bit of a push for people to have flu vaccines, but no no mention of the COVID vaccine. But um, yeah, it's it's very much uh, often short staffed and, and using a lot of agency staff, which is kind of staff from outside the NHS that have to come in when there's not enough staff and they don't know the wards and it can become very chaotic. Um, I've heard of people having to do assessments in like ambulance vans because there's no beds. So it's it's not great. <laughs> and a lot of people are leaving. There's a lot of staff. There's a lot of high turnover yeah. of staff. Yeah. But it sounds like morale is, is, is pretty low. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people are feeling that they're, they're thinking about going elsewhere into private healthcare or even moving to a different country where nurses and healthcare workers get paid a lot more. So, yeah, people don't stay around in roles for very long anymore in the NHS. Yeah, it's a real shame, isn't it? Because um, the, the National Health Service has been such a bastion for many years, but I'd say probably the last couple of decades, we do seem to be sort of going downhill. There's fewer nurses and doctors per head of population, fewer beds. And then, of course, the government will turn around and blames the NHS for all these problems, whilst it's also reducing its capacity. A very, very sad story. Um, that's not why, obviously, I got you on to talk about today, Amy. So tell us your story. So you were a student um, in your final year and um, the, the foundation, the NHS foundation, the Tavistock and Portman, they were putting on lectures, weren't they? Tell us about those lectures. Yeah, so they sent, um, it, they were celebrating their 100th anniversary as a trust. And to celebrate, they sent around this lecture titled um, Whiteness, a Problem for Our Time. And I was like, that seems quite a <laughs> radical title. I thought, I bet it's not as, as bad as it sounds. So I watched the lecture. 
Um, and I was quite taken aback by uh, what was in it, really. Essentially, it was an hour long of critical race theory. So it was teaching ideas like white privilege, um, the idea that all white people are racist, that if you're white, you should feel uncomfortable about being white, all, all people that aren't white are victims and white people are oppressors. Um, and what what concerned me the most was that this wasn't being taught as there is this particular theory and it fixed this and there are other views and this is the downsides of this theory this is the you know it was just as though this was a fact and there was no alternative viewpoints and I thought gosh that's that's quite concerning um so in response to this I wrote an email saying that you know we might be working with patients who don't agree with these ideas and we need to be aware that there's different viewpoints um and I said we're not not everybody sees the world in this way um and because I because I said that I got pulled into a meeting um essentially a disciplinary meeting and I was told that I'd spoken inappropriately and I said well what if I said that's inappropriate and I said my view of 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 my view on race and racism is that you should treat everybody equally um, and you shouldn't judge anyone by the colour of their skin. Um, and they told me that the Tavistock view that view as discredited and outdated. And now they subscribe to the critical race theory view. Um, and I was just I, I was taken aback. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Um, and I and they and then essentially there was an idea that I was in the wrong. They were sort of essentially saying, oh, how are you going to move forward on this course with your views? And I was thinking, my views are commonly held views. They're, they're not, there's something wrong with my views. Um, so I was very concerned about this. So I wrote a, I wrote a complaint. I said, you know, you're teaching these ideas um, that are essentially racist because you're making a generalization about white people. Um, and you'll say, and, and I've been told that there's essentially something wrong with my view of the colorblind approach. Um, so I wrote this complaint and they did an investigation into it. And in the investigation outcome, they essentially doubled down and they said, um, no, these are our views. And we we encourage all students to interrogate whiteness at the Tavistock. And we need to make it more of our policy, not less. Um, and I just, I, I, it felt like I was in a weird, nightmarish kind of situation. I was like, I can't believe this. <laughs> Um, it sounds like something out of Black Mirror, doesn't it? I mean, it does. Yeah. So they they essentially, I mean, I'm I'm shocked. So they they were actually kind of arguing that we should discriminate based upon people's colour. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Well, essentially, yeah, they were saying that white all white people are are racist. So, and I said, and they said, even if it's they don't act racist, they have an unconscious racism. And I said, but that's still you're still making a judgment about people in the color of their skin. You're looking at a white person and saying that you know what's in their mind, and you don't. People people view things in really really different ways. That's something you learn if you work in mental health. That people have really different views about all sorts of things. Um, so to just be able to look at someone and say, I know what you're thinking because of the color of your skin, to me that is racist. But they they don't see it that way they see that they're correcting a wrong that's been done in the past um yeah so so was this can i just ask was this a a, a training lecture or was this a academic lecture so this do you know it was it up for debate at all did you write le um essays on it this was no no yeah, this which was, was it? Uh, it was it was like a training it was part of the training um and after i made a complaint i said you're not i'm, I'm not happy with these ideas and they did this investigation, they continued to push it. So it kept coming up in seminars and lectures. They set around reading material that was pushing the same ideas. And I continued to say, well, no, I, I don't agree. Um, 
And then, and then after that, they, they essentially threatened me with suspension from the course um, and said that I'd spoken inappropriately about race. And I said, well, can you tell me what I've said that's inappropriate? And they, then they said, actually, it's just the way you said it. It was your tone of voice. <laughs> um, because they couldn't name anything that I'd said. I said, well, what have I actually said? Um, and it, it just got worse and worse. It got crazier and crazier. Then they said that they'd fret, they threatened to bar me from the profession of psychotherapy. And eventually they said that I was unsafe to see patients. Um, and they stopped me in my clinical work. So I was just at the very end of finishing and they stopped me from completing it. They said they needed to investigate whether I was safe to be with patients. Um, that was two years ago. They did, they haven't done the investigation. Um, they, we keep my lawyer, I'm now pursuing legal action against them. My lawyers keep pressing them to, to do something and they're not doing anything. So I think they've yeah, realized did... that it's gone too far, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no shit. Um, I, I do actually know, I think, one of the lawyers working on the case, Anna Lautfi. Um, oh, yeah. I've had Anna on the show before. She um, Sadly, she couldn't make it today because I did ask her if she wanted to come on and give her opinion, but she's going to come on on a different day. Now, um, I got, I've got a few questions. So these lectures were they being run by the foundation themselves or had they got in an external provider to teach all of this so the 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 initial lecture whiteness a problem for our time it was a Tavis, it was it was um published as a tavistock lecture the lecturer was a guest lecturer that had come in um and then but then when i questioned it they said that this lecture this is in the in the meeting that i got pulled into i said you know, is this is this lecture just this particular lecturer's view or is this representative of the trust or what? And I was told that this lecture represents the trust as a whole. They said that this is our view here. So although it was a guest lecturer, they did say that this this lecture represents their views as a trust. Now, I, I find this absolutely shocking. And I know that the viewers watching this now will be like, what? Surely, I mean, this sounds like it's made up. It really does. It's I know, so perfect. I know. There's so many things going on in the world today, aren't they, that are like this. Um, um, I'll tell you what, actually, Amy, um, studio are just waving at me. I've got to take a quick short break. So stay okay. there because I've got more questions for you. We'll take a quick short break and then we'll be back straight after that. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. What station is this? Station. Ladies and gentlemen, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Japan's been rocked by more than 150 earthquakes following New Year's Day's massive tremor, which caused widespread damage and triggered tsunami warnings as far away as eastern Russia. It was a surprise start to the new year in Denmark too, with the country rocked by news of an historic royal abdication. And the BRICS group of developing nations kicked off 2024 with five new members, ushering in a new era of economic cooperation and influence. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah, 24-7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk. This is TNT Radio. Right. Now, Amy, as I said, I find this absolutely incredible. 
But what were their responses? I mean, obviously you picked up on this straight away and realized what an absolute nonsense they were teaching. But what were the reactions of, of fellow students on the course? Everyone else was just completely quiet. So I was the only one saying anything. Um, I did feel that it was this, so this happened during COVID. So a lot of the, the seminars and lectures were online or over Zoom. Um, but it, it, it felt that there was quite an oppressive, repressive atmosphere and that people were nervous to speak. But on the whole, it was it was only me that was saying anything, which was why it was quite it was a very maddening and difficult spirit experience at the time, because I did just think, what is going on? Why am I the only one saying anything? Um, I think it was because, well, although in the defense of the other students, look what happened to me. You know, I did end up getting bullied and hounded off the yeah. course. So I think there is a great fear if you're if you're on one of these courses and you're being assessed um, by people in power over you, you're very nervous about what you say because they'll mark you down or they'll, in my case, you know, push you off the course. Yeah, well, you are still working within the NHS, so well done you for not just be keeping quiet like everybody else. It does take a bit of balls to put your head above the parapet. So well done you for doing that. Now, Amy, tell us what, so you're actually taking it further. You haven't just challenged them um, via a complaint, have you? You're taking this to court. Explain yeah. to us what the law is behind this. So the law underpinning this is the Equalities Act. Essentially, any university um, or training providers, especially the NHS, um, has to follow the Equalities Act, which essentially says that you can't discriminate person based on the colour of their skin or their sex or their sexuality and so on. Um, and essentially, we're arguing that I was not just discriminated, but received racial harassment because they kept telling me to interrogate my whiteness and that all white people are racist. Um, and the qualities that's very clear that you you shouldn't that you shouldn't treat a person differently because of the color of their skin or make generalizations about people based on the color of their skin. Um, so we're we're claiming racial harassment and racial discrimination and then victimization, which essentially that they've bullied me for making a complaint that once I'd made a complaint, I was essentially a marked woman and they sought to try to push me off the course. Um, so those are the charges that we're we're bringing against them. Yeah. Now, when I first read this, I saw, you know, you being accused of racism um, and you were then you were victim. I, I thought, oh, my God, that's a long list. It sounds all a bit. But after hearing your story, um, it's quite incredible, really. And um, like I said, well done you for taking this further. Um, now, these things obviously cost a lot of money um, taking these things to the court. So how are you funding all of this? Yeah, so I'm crowdfunding at the moment. So since my story's been in the press, I've had loads of, it's been amazing. I've had so much support from people, um, people in the healthcare profession, but just loads of people donating and supporting me. Um, so I have a crowd fund. Um, so if you if you Google Amy Gallagher and on, on GoFundMe, my, my GoFundMe is called Stand Up To Woke. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had loads of donations. Um, I'm, I'm really getting there to my kind of, how much I need but I do need a lot more um if it goes to trial um it's going to cost a fortune <laughs> legal cases cost yeah. a fortune and the NHS have very deep pockets so essentially what they're doing is they're trying to intimidate me with costs they've hired a very experienced barrister and a senior King's Council barrister so I have to try to match that so at the moment I've raised um 170,000 pounds which is amazing it's absolutely amazing that people have given that it's it's huge um but people will be surprised how much legal cases cost if it goes to trial I'm going to probably need 
a lot more than that so um unfortunately so it's eye-watering amount but i've only been able to do this because of, of donations so far so yeah it's amazing yeah. Well, this does sound like a case I think we're supporting. I'm certainly going to um, give you a donation after the show today because, you know, what we need is cases like this to set precedent, don't we? So that yeah. this doesn't happen to anybody else, not just within the NHS, um, but across all workplaces as well. Because if you can win this, which I, th to be honest with you, I think it's a bit of a no-brainer. I know it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a swift easy court case and um, these things tend to get dragged out but to me this is a no-brainer really um the way you've been treated but listen amy um thank you and, and by the way did you give the address there where people can go yeah so it's go from me and um, forward slash stand up to woke yeah fantastic anybody listening and watching this please get yourself over support amy even if you can just afford a couple of quid give it because this is important because like i said if this is um this court case is one it will set precedent and stop this happening this madness happening to others up and down the country um amy thank you so much for coming on the the, the freeman report today to tell your story and good luck with the future and i'm going to get anna on anna lopfi as well to talk about the case from a more in-depth legal perspective as well so we're going to carry on and and follow up on this later so but thank you very much amy Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to take a quick short break now. And when we come back, I'm going to have Mark um, on the Freeman Report with me. Mark has got a, an awful story. It's quite shocking, really, of law firms um, basically scamming elderly people out of their homes and selling them um, at fixed auctions at very, very low prices. So we're going to hear all about that from Mark after this short break. So don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. You are loved. You are valued. You are resilient. You got this. You are there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides at aarp.org slash caregiving. This is the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right. Well, wasn't that a shocking story that Amy has just told? I'm, I'm, I'm in disbelief, really, of some of the things that go on. But, you know, this is taxpayers' money within the NHS, so it's our money being used to do stuff like that to teach critical race theory in the NHS. Absolutely bonkers. And from one bonkers story to another, um, I'm 
absolutely delighted to welcome Mark to the Freeman Report. Hello, Mark. Hello there. Thank you. Mark, thank you for, for joining me today. We we did speak on the phone last night, didn't we? So I think I've got a good idea of what's been going on. Now, there are two parts to your story. We're, we're only going to really address the second part, but I think it's worth just kind of framing the first part of the story um, um, just to set the context. But your mother, she um, she passed away, I think it was in 2015? Correct, Yeah. That's right. So she passed away in 2015. There are big question marks over the care that she was giving and the circumstances around yeah. her death. Um, so that is part of the story. But when, we're, what we're going to do is focus on the second part of the story today, because I believe that you think that actually you've got the proof there that something untoward um, has been going on. So um I guess where the story starts in terms of this second part of the story was actually was when your mother was alive, wasn't it? Because um, I believe um, you you told me last night that she was encouraged. She was approached by the law firm that she had her will with, which had been taken over recently um, at, the, at the time, and that she was encouraged to review her will and update it. Um, tell us in your own words um, about all of that. Yes. What happens is that in England, a law firm can buy another law firm and then take control of the wills. And by taking control of the wills, they can modify them or do other things. And in my mother's case, they reapproached my mother, who had been diagnosed with dementia, but they didn't do any checks on it. And basically, they wanted the will changed. So originally, the property was going to be left to me, but the will was changed, so it wasn't. And that didn't make sense because I was going to become a full-time, well, part-time carer, and I was building a wet room to look after her. And this was all happening when I was in London, and she's based in Chester. And this is how it all sort of unraveled. And then next thing happened was she got put into a nursing home, which made no sense without my permission. And it just got more and more bizarre. Now, Mark, is it normal for a law firm to... And it just got more and more bizarre. Now, Mark, is it normal for a law firm to approach somebody who has apparently got dementia and then just ask them to change their will without involving or, or you know, or letting any of the other family know? Is that normal? Well, unfortunately, it does seem to occur a lot. I was recently able to meet two members of the um, Solicitor's Regulatory Authority, the SRA, and this goes on. This is a problem and this needs to be stopped. And there are regulators and there are other organizations which are meant to prevent this. But it's a quick, easy bit of money because all you have to do is create a dispute in the will and everyone in the legal profession gains from it. And that's the bad yeah. part of it. Yeah. And OK, so for, for those who don't understand as well, when there is a dispute, um, on a will, the courts then award probate, don't they, to a law firm. Now, in, in your case, was the firm that was awarded the probate, was it the same firm that was in charge of the um, the will? No, because the law firm that created the dispute claimed there was £100,000 worth of debts to pay, which they couldn't prove existed. So they were removed, obviously, but no action's been done against them, even though they generated a false number and then what happened was another lawyer was appointed who was regulated by the solicitor's registry authority and he didn't do anything right he should have listed the property for sale 
The property should have been sold for a minimum of 750000 because there were offers of a million for it, and he didn't take any of them up. And then another person who he worked with, who I won't mention the name, um, listed it on an auction site for 500000 and no one could bid on it. No one could bid on it. So how did you find yeah. out that the property was going up for that price? Well, we were lucky that um, we had already had problems. We knew they were trying to get my mum's property cheap. And we already knew this trick had been done to other elderly in the area. And we were just flabbergasted. No one was doing anything about it. So people who are elderly, may have dementia, they're easy prey. And people are obviously targeting them and therefore going to them. And then the other thing they're doing, they're saying to them, your property's not worth much, we'll take it off you and things like that. And that is occurring a lot. And the regulators are failing. And that was the point. I met two senior solicitors directly authority. They don't have enough staff to cope with these problems. It is over. And unfortunately, this I'm not. The other thing is around the world, they know they can come here and it's an easy crime to get away with. And that's the SRA talking to me. Just to yeah. warn them out there to keep an eye on their parents and their loved ones and their yeah, now, So so this this lawyer put the property um I think just over five hundred thousand on a an auction site where nobody can bid. Now the yeah. property, like you said, there was a minimum price value on it of over seven hundred thousand. So you you became aware of that and you did actually fight it in the courts and got that yes. um you know, the courts tell us what happened. I basically went to court and the judge, who was very nice, pointed out that it shouldn't be sold below the 750000 because the property was obviously worth, well, a lot of money. We also had two independent estate agents who said that the property was worth 800000 plus, but because it had been listed for 500000 that had damaged its value, which I just sat there and went, really? And this is the headache that you they go in and then further along, we can show now through a subject access request. So if you have problems, do a subject access request and find out as much as you can. From a subject access request, we found that a Royal Institute of Child Surveyor had miss, had also listed it for only 345000 but this was rejected by the court. The reason it was rejected by the court was the property opposite the opposite side went for 490000 It was like a fraction of the size of it, so it made no sense. So the um, the paperwork was rejected and it showed deliberate manipulation because the person wasn't allowed to actually do any of these type of jobs in Cheshire. He wasn't the person who knew the area. That's shocking, Mark. So uh, essentially, yeah. somebody tried to sell the house for, well, less than half the value, its market yeah. value. I mean, what? Do, surely the courts, when this happens, you'd think that they would um, realise that something untowards going on and, and would take action. No, it's it's a it's an old scam because what they're doing is they're price manipulating it. They're saying to the people that the property is only worth five hundred thousand. They don't realise it. So the further example is next door's mum died in twenty one. When her mum died, next door's daughter was told her property was only worth four hundred thousand. And then the other half of an identical property, which is the other half of her mum's home, her deceased mum's home went for 740,000. So how can one half of the property be worth 740,000 and the other half only worth 400,000 other than the fact that when probate lawyers are involved, they always undervalue it. And I spoke to the Royal Institute of Charles Vayers and they said, yeah, once a probate lawyer is involved, properties generally sell below value and it's a common problem. And the regulators are not picking up on it because it's easy money for everyone. 
Wow, this is this. I mean, this is this is really shocking stuff because it's you know it's it's people that um, are usually in a vulnerable situation, yeah, and obviously it's, it's 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 dividing families as well and taking advantage of all of that. Now, in the end, the property was sold, wasn't it? Um, it did go on to sell. Yes. Um, what price was it actually sold for in the end? Well, this is it. We found out that the estate agent said it had been sold. We said, well, it needs to be sold for seven hundred fifty thousand. We went on and did that. But in the end, we found they sold it 490000 which is clearly below the court order, clearly below other things. And another property next to it has gone for a million, which is half the size again. And it just shows a complete... So I went to the land registry, the land registry useless. Um, and then the law firm who sold it for that value of 490000 um, which I won't mention, said it wasn't them. But we have the paperwork, which is the land registry RT1, as well as the completion of letters sale, which shows it was them who did it. And they're saying they're not involved. And it's and then we went to the Solicitor's Registry Authority and they said nothing really wrong here. And they went around the houses and then we escalated it. And I met, again, some people from the SRA. And this is the point. When you meet people from the SRA in person, they know there's something wrong going on. They know it. But once it goes towards their office, it seems to get moved around. And it's always the same people who say nothing to see here. Yeah. Now, if the court had an order on there that it wasn't to be sold for less than 750,000, how can they go ahead and sell they it? For they, they, Surely they should have gone back to court for a variation order. And then the court would have said, well, you want to drop it from 750,000 down to what? Um, and they would say, why do you want to do that? Well, they couldn't do that because they needed to bring a new Royal Institute of Child Surveyor in to do a proper valuation. And if they did that, they would have seen it valued at a million because what they do is they look at all the properties around it. And when you look at all the properties around it, they're all going for about a million because they're very large houses with lots of land. The only ones which go below value are the ones controlled by the same probate lawyers. And that's how bad it is. Right. So it's okay. manipulation. So uh, I know these things are never easy. Um, you know, people will be screaming at the the TV right now and saying, "Well, surely you you take them to court and it's you know it's all straightforward." What what are the routes for you now? Well, yes, the we're trying to do um, a settlement out of court because when we went in front of a certain judge whose name I won't mention, even he said to the other side, "You're set out of court." But what you've got now is I've gone around different lawyers, and no disrespect, if they can see it's a probate case, they know there's stuff going on which doesn't make sense, and they don't want to upset the industry. And this is the problem. It's it's a very bad, badly regulated industry. And if you look at Scotland or Europe, you have to literally get a proper evaluation of the property before you can sell it to make sure these things don't go on. But in England, we don't bring this law into effect. And therefore, properties can be price fixed and it's going on all the time. So one minute you see a property sold somehow for half price, and then it goes up in value by twice. And nobody asks any questions, but you know there's something wrong going on. And the only ones who point out this is going on when I was talking was the undertakers. They said, oh, yeah, we've seen a lot of this going on. This person, this old lady dies, and the property sold really cheap, and then it's gone for an extraordinary amount of money later. So it's, something needs to be investigated, yeah? Yeah, and I think by the sounds of it, it you know we cannot rely on the industry to regulate itself no. because, you know, they clearly lawyers don't want to get into trouble with other lawyers for for holding. Well, they're the, terrified. The, you know, yeah, they're, they're terrified of being yeah. regulated. Have 
Now, have you spoken to any politicians about this? Yes, I was very lucky. Steve Reed, who was the shadow secretary, he was investigating it and he was quite concerned and I was invited to Parliament, but he's now moved on. So it's another person who's overseen the case, the caseworker. But there is um, an understanding this is going on very commonly and it's very disturbing because elderly people are very vulnerable. Then once the act has occurred, they've died. Most people are in distress that they've lost their loved one. Recently, there's been other distressing things occurring with their deaths because things haven't been making much sense. And an example of my mum's case, my mum died in 2015 under Dole's Depravitation of Order Liberty, which meant she couldn't see people because she was very troubled what was going on. And in front of the coroner, whose name I won't mention, but he's now retired, I've roughly told you what was going on now. Price fixing was going along the road. He shut me up. And if you can get access to the inquest tape, which is a public record, and you should be able to contact them and they should download the file and send it to you, you'll hear me telling you now what I said at my mum's inquest. And what's also interesting was the doctor who um, put my mum in a nursing home and said she had dementia, he's been struck off now. And that means the case should be reopened because the two doctors who claim they don't know each other involved in my mother's death did know each other. And that's how it's all coming out. It's very corrupt and it's easy money yeah. because... What the, what's going on? Thank you. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, Mark, I do want to take this further, I think. Um, Thank you. You know, so I'll contact you after the show today um, to find out which politicians should be looking at this because it seems to me yeah. that this we need a change in the law so that we're yes, in line definitely. with Scotland and other countries, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, and people will be safer. And to be honest with you, I fear winter now because because we're in winter. This is when a lot of elderly do die. But I think people are being targeted and we know they're being targeted. And I can tell you more about it, but it's you just need to keep an eye on your loved ones and make sure they're safe because it's easy pickings. Yeah. And of course, you know, I, th I know you've already said that you've um, come across other cases, but other cases in your street as well, isn't there? They're, I think it yes. was the, the next door neighbor. It's happened that's to it. their family as well, hasn't it? Yes, that's it. I mean, she was very, that was by accident we met her. We recorded what she said. She was in great distress. She had lost her mum. She had been bullied to sell the property, which is her mum's home for 400000 And then the other half of the property, because it's one property, went for 740000 because it wasn't under their control. And, you know, when you lost your loved one and people are saying, oh, we've got to sell it and they create debts which don't exist, you're pushed into a corner. I was very lucky that I sort of already knew there was something strange going on, but it's so difficult to deal with it. And the police haven't got the resources. No one claims they've got the resources, but it is going on a lot. So, Mark, um, the other thing I think is worth noting here, based upon a conversation last night, so that your mum obviously passed away in 2008, um, 2015. When was the house sold? It was sold in 2022. So it was sold um, well over a year ago. And yeah. have you received any money yet at all? Has any of the no, family not, received not any a penny. money? This is, this is the most bizarre bit because also I went to court for um, my mother. As uh, When a person dies, you have to do um, statements of accounts. The law firm is deliberately not trying to give me the accounts that we went to court because it shows what they've done. The only reason I know it sold for 490000 was I did a subject access request. And the subject access request not only showed that they sold it for 490000 it's got their names all over the paperwork. And they're saying they didn't do it.
Right, Mark. Sadly, we've run out of time. I guess firstly, I'll say um, condolences on your your mum passing away. But this really is um, a a terrible, awful case um, Mm. that I'm hearing here. So we will take this further. Um, I will get you back on the show again and I will approach other people. So I'll give you a call um, after the show um, today, this afternoon at some point. But listen, Mark, thank you so much for sharing this. This is something people should be very, very worried about. Thank you, Mark. Right, okay, don't go anywhere. Stick with us right here on TNT Radio.